And now we turn to Paul's words in the letter to the Philippians as he continues to sing of his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Paul writes, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. And the God of peace will be with you. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Peace. Peace. Just the word makes my heart beat a little slower. Makes me breathe deeper. It even even makes my shoulders relax a bit. Peace. Who here this morning couldn't do with a little peace, right? Peace in your home, peace in your workplace, peace in that friendship that's been full of drama lately. Any of you have one of those? Peace on Facebook, for goodness sakes. Peace in our deeply divided country, in our bitter, hate-filled world. Peace, real peace. You know, I've always taken comfort knowing that our Savior Jesus Christ understands our deep longing, our deep need for peace, for real peace. Remember, in the last week of his life, as Jesus was trying to reassure his disciples that everything was going to be okay, as he was trying to prepare them for what was about to happen, he gave them these words, peace. I leave with you my peace I give to you, not as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled, and neither let them be afraid. Now that is Jesus' teaching concerning peace that I gravitate toward, that I lean upon. The peace of Christ that passes all understanding, as Paul says, indeed, guards me, and it guards those I love. It carries us, it buoys us, it delivers us. And that peace of Christ that passes understanding, it has accompanied me, it has accompanied my churches, my communities. I have seen that peace, I have felt that peace, I have relied on that peace, and I know you have as well. That peace which often comes not at all the way you anticipate it, and not in the timing (laughs) that you anticipate it. I know this church as well, at least I've heard the stories that in the history of this church, that same peace has invaded time and time again, and it has bound you together. It now binds us together, and it pushes us into new and even more faithful ministry. So when we look at our world, 
when we look at the lives that we are living, it is easy to long for, to cry out for peace, isn't it? In the Christmas of 1863, the poet Henry Wadsworth Longfellow was in that position, longing for crying out for peace. We were in the middle of a bitter civil war. He was grieving the death of his beloved wife who had died tragically, and their oldest son had run away to be in the Union Army and had been actually wounded. It was Christmas Day, and he was walking down the street, listening to the bells ringing in the church steeples, the joyful sound. And he writes, I was in despair. He wrote a poem that day called Christmas Bells. Most of you have heard of it. It was later made into a Christmas carol. The words went like this. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play, and wild and sweet the words repeat of peace on earth. And in despair I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth. Does that sound familiar to any of you? Hate is strong and mocks the song. It's happening all around us, isn't it? In our political climate, in our relationships, in this warring world. But remember the end of Longfellow's poem? He ends the poem saying, Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong will fail, the right prevail with peace on earth. Like so many before him and since, the poet Longfellow took comfort in God's peace, a peace that passes all understanding, a peace that was hard to grasp, that surpassed his grief and his despair, the peace that comes from knowing that God is control, from understanding that God will right all wrong in God's time and in God's way. Peace I leave you, my peace I give to you. Yes, this is the teaching of Christ about peace that speaks to me and that I imagine speaks to you and that the church leans on and leans toward. But as we continue our sermon series on the Beatitudes this morning, there's a bit of an issue. Did you hear it? When we read the Beatitudes, you see, here in the Beatitudes, we find another teaching of Jesus about peace. And in this teaching, we find less comfort and more of a demand. Here in the Beatitudes, like so many other things Jesus says in the Beatitudes, we are given a heavy demand. He says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. Blessed are the ones who bring peace, who work for peace, who work for reconciliation, who work for the well-being, the shalom, the wholeness of those around them, the community around them, the world around them. For those are the ones who will be called children of God. Now, friends, that is a strong pronouncement And it's a demand we are meant to wrestle with every time we read the Beatitudes. Because the truth is, no one 
wants to be a peacemaker. Have you ever tried it? It's not easy. It reminds me of a friend of mine who had these two awful dogs, and they really weren't nice dogs, but she loved them terribly. They were like her children. The problem is they couldn't get along. And one day on a Sunday morning before church, these dogs went after it. And she, as their mother, loving them both, got in the middle. Guess who ended up in the emergency room? It wasn't the dogs. Being a peacemaker is hard. Here Jesus warns us that God's peace, see, it is. Here Jesus reminds us that God's peace, that peace that passes understanding that Jesus gives, not as the world gives, that peace is not a place to dwell, and it's not a place to hide. It's not a place to hang around in or fill up with. No, God's peace, according to the Beatitudes, is actually a project to participate in. God's peace is something we build for others. In 1965, a young Palestinian named Elias Shakur was ordained to serve the Roman Catholic Church in northern Galilee. Now, if you know anything about the history of the modern state of Israel and the Palestinian-Israeli conflict, you know that being a Palestinian in that place and in that time was beyond difficult. And of course, it still is. The peace of Christ, Elias wrote, carried him through many devastating events in the 40s as he and his family lost their home and their entire village, later as he was discriminated against in his education, and finally that peace of Christ carried him into seminary and into ministry. But, Elias wrote, the peace of Christ didn't just carry him and support him, it actually became his life's calling. If you know anything about Elias Shakur, you know that he worked tirelessly, and he still works to this day, for the reconciliation between Palestinians and Israel, for religious co cooperation in that area between Muslims, Jews, and Christians. He's been nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize three times. He's best known for a chain of educational institutions educating uh, students aged 3 through 18, and in these schools, Jews... Muslims, Christians, and Druze, all are educated together. If you go to Northern Galilee to one of these schools to visit, the steps of the school are etched with the words of the Beatitudes. And right there, as those children walk in every day, it says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. In his book, Blood Brothers, which if you've not read, you really should, Elias tells of that day in 1965, it was right after his ordination, when he decided to go to the place in northern Galilee called the Mount of Beatitudes, where tourists go to experience where Jesus delivered these words, right there by the sea. And it was there, Shakur says, that Jesus' words seared him for the first time with deep meaning. He writes, the Beatitudes became for me prophecies, not mere platitudes, because Jesus' ministry began there on that hill where I was standing, a ministry of grafting all people into one, making peace for all people through his death. 
Then the passage ran through my head like a thunderclap. <laughs> Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. If I was to be a servant of God, I would first have to be a peacemaker. I had finally found my way, he wrote. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. Friends, I wish that I could round the edges, the rough edges off of this saying, make it a little easier to swallow, a lot easier to live, but that's impossible. Jesus' words are deadly earnest. They're meant to be lived out by those who call upon his name. Blessed are the peacemakers, those who understand that shalom, wholeness and well-being, reconciliation and justice are God's agenda. Blessed are the peacemakers, the ones who actively work for that agenda in any way they possibly can. Blessed are those peacemakers because they shall be called the children of God. Yesterday I had the pleasure of spending time with a young couple that I married seven years ago. And it was a lively visit because, of course, now they have small children. They're both professional musicians. Actually, they're both conductors. You can imagine how much music was in that wedding seven years ago. We had a great visit, but they couldn't wait to show me their two-year-old. Their two-year-old, who, well, let's just say has come to learn to love music. And the dad said to the two-year-old in front of me, tell Pastor Stacy your favorite piece of music. And his answer was, dun-dun-dun-dun. And the dad said, you want to listen to it? And he goes, yes. And so the father put on this symphony, the first movement of Beethoven's Fifth. And this little guy started to direct. And I have to tell you, his entire body was going up and down. He knew where the music was going to stop, where it was going to start. He knew the pauses, you know. He had the whole thing going. And he went through the entire song. It was the funniest thing I had ever seen. <laughs> but I looked at mom and dad's face. It's a very different experience for mom and dad. Because what mom and dad saw was this tiny child who so loved them and what they loved that he was trying to resemble his parents. What mom and dad saw was a child resembling the parents who loved him. And the dad even said, look, it's a chip off the old block. Blessed are the peacemakers, those who do what God does for us, those who act the way God acts toward us, those who desire and work for the things that God desires and God works for. They're the chips off the block the ones who resemble their loving Father. They're the children of God. And I want you to think about this, my friends. Think about your life. Think about our world. Think about what is really needed in your life, in your family, in this church, in our world. What is needed? I would wager a guess that your marriage might just need someone who resembles the love of God. 
that your workplace just might need someone who resembles the justice and compassion of God. That your friends might need someone who resembles the mercy of God. That this church might need people who resemble the righteousness of God. Our community might need people who resemble the reconciling power of God. And that our world needs those who resemble the dividing wall of hostilities, demolishing spirit of our Savior Jesus Christ. What is needed? Simply put, my friends, children of God. For you and for me and for this church to simply be what we are meant to be, God's children. Those who resemble His love, His mercy, His grace, and His peace. Children who can witness to and push God's agenda forward. Who can resemble the true peacemaker, our Savior Jesus Christ, and actually work to reconcile the world to God. Now, it's not easy work. It's not glamorous work, and it is painstakingly slow. Peacemaking at its heart is working against the discouragement that can come from the, the large vision of the broken world all around us. But we're called. We're called step by step and inch by inch not to be discouraged, not to give up, and to always watch for the opportunity to build peace, to extend peace, and to share peace. I've asked Kinsey to, and the band to sing a song for us, a new song by Laura Story, that talks about this journey of the peacemaker. It talks about the fact that perfect peace only comes from our God, only comes in God's time and in God's way. But friends, you and I, you and I are meant to be channels and instruments of that peace. Let's pray that that happens here and now in you, in me, and in our world. Amen.